Welcome to EEN Moms Talk. We are going to explore how we are called to care for God's creation, what that looks like for modern moms, and how we can make better choices to protect our kids from environmental harms. Now on to today's episode. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to EEN Moms Talk. I'm going to be today. It turns out that um, the power is so bad in Atlanta that I am having a reaction, um, which has never happened before, but yet another sign that our our climate is changing. Today we're going to interview Christine Cross. She's really, really cool. And one of the things that Christina is, is that she lives in Illinois, and her husband is the United States I'm spending a lot of time talking to ladies who live in different cities, and um, all everybody's cool. See it in the uh, IPA. She's also a UW, she's United Methodist, she lives with her husband and her three dogs in Illinois and blogs at fadmatch.com. Um, while waiting for um, Christine to hear, um, Moment to say that maybe you're going to be in church this weekend. Um, the the national holiday of um, Earth Day. It's not a holiday, but I guess recognition of taking care of the planet. Earth Day is actually this Sunday, and um, you know, unfortunately, like so many things, uh, is something So calling it Asian Care Sunday. So. We hope that um, if you're not going to do anything particularly in church, that you take a moment on Sunday, which is April 22nd, 20th, and just honor the earth in some way. Maybe maybe you take kids out on a walk and pick up um, some trash. Maybe um, you, um, you know, before you want take a minute to say a prayer, which I'm sure you do. Anyway, but, you know, take a moment to recognize that this gives such a beautiful creation. Um, maybe you go on a nature scavenger out with the kids. Anyway, just do something to sort of reaffirm the value um, about bringing forth creation and what that means and 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 making sure that the kids really really know that this is something that you know this family values. Uh, we have a blog post um, which I will put a link to in the show notes um, that we used a model from Surefire Prayer Partners. Oh my goodness! Not only am I um, nasally, I'm also tongue tied. So. Um, uh, Anyway, in that in that blog post, we use a model that um, Surefire Prayer uh, gave us, and it basically walks you through about how you can get your kids to be thinking about praying for all the cool things God has given us, right? Because um, if you ever want to know that God is real, all you have to do is uh, take a little time to think about how marvelously um, we as humans are created, how marvelous the the whole conversation of life is, 
Um, if you think about like how a baby is created and born, um, it's just it's so um, amazing that we have a God who loves us that much. It just really makes a huge difference. Um, and then um, you can use that to do a prayer. And, and I really encourage you all to not only do that this Sunday, but maybe start doing it um, every Sunday. A lot of people are starting to um, practice uh, Sabbath, which is um, another great thing that I learned about from Matthew Sleep. Um, and they, he and his wife, Nancy, did a book called 24-6. And I will have a link also for that in the show notes. And 24-6 is sort of going through and recognizing the idea of that we really need to practice, practice Sabbath. And I, I know this is hard, um, but unplug and just rest and do things that fill your spirit that aren't connected to all the craziness and busyness of this world. And um, just really start to value um, the Sabbath. And it, and if you're a preacher, like Christina's husband, right, um, a lot of preachers uh, who, are, who are practicing their faith are choosing to do another day for their Sabbath. Because clearly on Sunday they're going to be working. So um, a lot of times if you're like, why is the church office closed on Monday or why is the church office closed on Friday? It's because the pastors are actively practicing Sabbath. And um, I think that's so awesome. And that is another trend we're starting to see more widely. Um, we're still waiting for Christina to come um, on board. So let me tell you about some other things that are happening. We, you know, we've spent a lot of time syncing in with MOPS, and um, your new MOPS theme for the year is um, Find Your Fire, which we love, right, um, which is really geared towards women finding their passions and lifting them, um, and some of those women are going to find their passion in doing work for creation care. <laughs> Excuse me. And so some of that um, might be doing a green team at your church or creation care team at your church. Some of that might be restart, restarting cycling at your church. Um, I've had a lot of sort of funny conversations recently about people who start with their own accord, they just put bins out and collect all the paper at the end of the services so the paper gets recycled from the bulletins. And that's 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 an easy place to start. Um it's not full recycling of course, but you know, what when when you start doing the work of creation care, what you want to do is look for small entry points. And so recycling bulletins um is a small entry point. Now, I want to tell you if you start this and then for some reason you don't do it, People will notice, which I think is sort of cool. So, I mean, people are paying attention. And so if you're going on vacation or whatever, you might want to rotate the responsibility with some folks so uh, the bulletins are always picked up and recycled. Uh, another way to do um, some really cool um, recycling in the church is eliminate the styrofoam cups. Styrofoam cups um, are very convenient, but they are very bad for the environment. They... Um, they're, they're saying that they're recyclable, and technically they are, but many, many recycling programs do not um, put recycling, um, do not styrofoam, recycle styrofoam. So, um, you know, think about having everybody bring in their own coffee cup. And I am delighted 
to share the fact that Christina is with us. And so without further ado, I'm going to invite uh, Christina on. Hey, Christina. Hi. Hi. Fine. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Um. I am so glad that you could join us today, and I've just been um, sharing ideas with people about what they can do in their church to make it just a little bit greener, um, since we're going to be celebrating, um, we, we're, at EN, we're celebrating Creation Care Sunday, So, um, but many people will know that as Earth Day. Um, so maybe since your husband's a pastor, maybe we'll just start off and say, what are y'all going to do in church on Sunday for uh, Creation Care Sunday? Well, actually, the church that my husband is serving right now is not doing a, a whole lot uh, on Sunday, but I'm going to be um, participating in an Earth Day um, service at a, another church uh, nearby. And they're actually doing, um, they're having their youth and their children do some kind of a creation play, which is a really cool thing, get the kids involved. They're going to be giving out milkweed plants, um, and uh, decorating pots and things uh, so that they can get some milkweed into the um, homes of their uh, families there. Um, so they've got a, kind of a whole day uh, planned around it. And I'm going to speak for a few minutes um, at, at that church as well, uh, talking about um, why creation care should be important to all of us, but specifically for my experience as, as a, a clergy spouse and as a um, person of faith, as a mom, uh, talking about why that should matter. Well, and, you know, I think this is a very honest conversation right off the bat that, you know, not all churches are on board, but I love the fact that you've found another way to celebrate with a different congregation. And we will pray for your husband's church that they will um, come on board. You know, I, I always I like to con, um, quote contact the movie where um, they're saying small steps. And that's what I really believe in. What I really think what happens is, is you make small steps and then you make more small steps and then all of a sudden you're sort of running. So um, I think that's awesome. Yep. Do you want to? I, I do you want to tell us why the milkweed is so important? Sure. So milkweed is the only uh, food that monarch butterflies eat, and it's the only place where they'll lay their eggs. So when we have a uh, absence of milkweed in the ecosystem, we have an absence of monarchs. Monarchs being pollinators. Um, and just a really cool um, monarchs can kind of be a, a good sense of how your ecosystem is doing. If you see monarchs around, the ecosystem's doing okay. So um, we want monarchs in our ecosystem. So uh, planting milkweed gives them a place to lay their eggs and a place to eat uh, along their uh, migration from uh, Mexico back up to uh, the United States and, and all around. So, um, I, you know, it's funny because I remember as a child, you know, you'd pull the milkweeds. But this tells you how old I am, I guess. You'd pull the milkweeds <laughs> them, and you wouldn't worry about it, you know, if there's pesticides on it or whatever. And you'd chew the end, and this sweet little juice would come out. Um, and it's, you know, it's those kinds of things that I think that we don't necessarily remember, unless someone talk, is talking about milkweed. But... I mean, it's a it's a huge problem. I mean, I don't think people realize how big a problem the the milkweed monarch situation is. Sure, sure. 
And that is not ex- an experience I've ever shared uh, about milkweed. That's that's not something I've ever done, really. So it's interesting to hear how, you know, different places have different uh, traditions around milkweed. That's kind of cool. Yeah, right. So um, I guess I was a forager before I knew what foraging was. <laughs> so, um, well, that's really great. And I think this also illustrates a small step, right? Um, just making people aware and taking this small step and, and I think that's really awesome. And it's a weed. I mean, it's milkweed is a weed. So, you know, you plant right. your milkweed, and it will, it will, it will, um, it will grow and spread. So, and spread um, right. And so picking a, a a good spot for it, uh, you know, it's it's somewhere in the you know back of the yard is probably better than you know front and center in your front yard. <laughs> exactly, because um, you want to let it grow and you want to let it pollinate um, and you want to let it scatter its seeds but you do not want it in your front yard um so that's really cool so you know I, i'm like take the earth day with you take the creation care sunday with you um are that's your right. kids going to be participating or are they going to stay at the church with daddy i think i think the two biggest ones the 12 year old and the eight-year-old will probably come with me uh because the four-year-old has a tendency to rush the uh lectern when i <laughs> if i'm preaching or speaking somewhere so she may stay with Daddy and ride uh, ride the circuit with him. He has three uh, rural churches here in uh, Central Illinois, so she likes to go with him on Sunday, anyhow. So um, that's awesome. I wanted to kind of get back to real quick um, because I am not present often uh, many of the Sundays in April because that's a very busy time for me and my work. Um, we have chosen to do Earth Day kinds of things at other times of the year. Um, for instance, um, Advent is not usually a time you think of as a good Earth Day, uh, a time to celebrate Earth Day or creation care in any way. But I, I wanted to make the, the listeners aware of a really great resource that our church used for an Advent devotional this year called All Earth is Waiting by Katie Dawson. And it was just a beautiful um, way of looking at Advent, which again is not always a time where we think about Earth. You know, the Earth is kind of sleeping this time of year uh, at, at uh, Christmas time and Easter time, at least it is in central Illinois. So um, that was just a beautiful experience that we had, and it also reinforces that Earth Day is all the time, not just in April. You know, Earth Day is, is something that we can do, and, and creation care is something we can celebrate year round. Well, and I think that's beautiful, and we will include a link to that in the show notes so people can check that out. Um, and I'm I'm big about giving lots of resources in the show notes. So, I, so I'm going to jump back to sort of the circuit writing because my mother is a United Methodist minister also, and she has a three-point <laughs> charge, and she circuit rides. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it is definitely a special devotion to do that kind of thing. Um, and so that just makes me love y'all even more that, you, you know, you and your family and my family have circuit riders. So, um, well, so, my, uh, another part of the United Methodist system is itineracy and my husband's been appointed to a different church, uh, July 1st and he'll only have one. And I'm not going to lie. He was initially a little disappointed. <laughs> I think he likes riding the circuit. So. <laughs> True method. Well, it gives you right. It gives you a special connection, right? So, for my um, uh, one of my big birthdays, my mother took me to London, 
And then we oh, ended wow. up doing all this John Wesley stuff, which is sort of funny. I'm like, mm-hmm. whose birthday is it? Okay. So, um, but it was okay. And, and John Wesley's museum, we're way off, but we're just going to be off. Um, there's a <laughs> chair in there with these huge springs. And so he only circuit rode, you know, when the weather was good. So spring, summer, early fall during the harvest season. But to stay in shape, to be on the horse, he would sit on the chair with these springs. So he would be, you had to stay in shape to ride the horse. And I just thought that was so fascinating because, you know, it was back in the late 1700s. Isn't that interesting? It was like the first gym equipment. (laughs) (laughs) My husband was ordained last annual conference. That was last June. And uh, as part of his ordination, the ordinands usually take a trip. Sometimes they go to the Holy Land. Sometimes they go other places. But they're actually going to see all the Wesley sites. Uh, this October. So I will have him. I'm writing it down. Look for chair with springs. <laughs> exactly. And it's huge. Like, it's taller than me. I mean, it's on a stand, but, I mean, the chair is taller than me. So I'm five foot two. I'm short. But I was like, wow, that's really amazing. So it sort of proves that, you know, people, you know, you learn as you move and, and you learn to adjust and take care of yourself so you can do the work God has called you to do. So let's right. move on a little bit more um, into the work that God has called you and me to do. And tell us a little bit how you got involved in caring for creation. Well, I think caring for creation was something that I was interested in long before I made it um, a career. Uh, but it really started for my family as a way to save money, as, as that often kind of is a thing when you're raising young children. Um, my husband, before he was in seminary, um, the, the economic uh, situation about the 2008-2009 years, we were living in um, suburban Detroit at the time, the economic situation there was not good, and he was having a hard time finding and keeping you know, a steady job um, to support a family. And so I was expecting um, our second daughter, who was now uh, going to be nine in a few weeks, and uh, we started looking into ways to save money as he was going to be staying home with her once she was born and I was going to be teaching. I'm a teacher by training, taught for 10 years. And um, he was the one actually who brought up cloth diapering. Hey, look, this is, you know, something we can do and it'll save money. And, you know, it's good for the earth too. We should really consider it. And I honestly was like, dude, if you want to do that, you go right ahead. But (laughs) I'm going to be teaching. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. And so he really, you know, tracked down, uh, you know, places to buy them. And this was a little bit before it was quite as popular, I think, as it is now. So, you know, places to purchase these kinds of supplies were a little little more difficult to find then. But he did. He cloth diapered um, Ava for, I think it was probably started after she was, a you know, newborn. So maybe two or three months um, on to potty trading. And then we did the same with uh, Harper when she came along about five years later. So it started with um, a desire to save some money. Uh, You know, he was in seminary at some point of that time, too, and, you know, not bringing in a ton of money (laughs) when you're in seminary. And so for us, it was saving money. But once you start cloth diapering, you start having to think about, gee, what detergents are going to be best for these diapers? You know, these are going to be very close to my daughter's, you know, skin and you know what's uh what's the best detergent to use for them and so you start looking at natural options you start looking at you know low you know non-toxic options and and things like that homemade options so that kind of took us down the rabbit hole of you know wanting to make sure the stuff that touches our skin is you know is safe 
And then that kind of spiraled into looking at, um, you know, personal care items, you know, the lotions we use and the body washes and the shampoos and the toothpaste that we use. And, you know, what's really in that? And is that good for the planet? Isn't it good? Is it good for our bodies? And so it kind of spiraled from there. And then um, that kind of started us paying attention to how we spend our money and what we spend our money on looking at, you know, where is my produce coming from? And, you know, what is that healthy for my family? Is that good for the planet? Um, looking at reducing the amount of um, meat that we uh, eat in our family or paying attention to where the meat is coming from, um, buying a CSA share and using that um, to help feed the family. Um, fair trade coffee, fair trade chocolate, looking at labor practices and things that um, – you know, is, is a way for us to show care for our brothers and sisters around the world and not just, um, you know, being consumers and, and not ever thinking about how what we consume um, can affect other people. So it started with cloth diapers, <laughs> and it's ended with me uh, pretty much dedicating my professional life right now to creation care. Wow. Well, and... Let me just tell you, for most people, cloth diapers is not where people start. So, yay. Congratulations. <laughs> right. Um, but I love it that um, that it was his idea even, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and that he did the research and everything. And so in our Bible study, we'll just do a short plug for the Bible study. We do have a page that talks about the toxins you need to avoid. And I will include a link in the show notes. So you can just download the Bible study you don't have to read it. Just look for the page with the toxins because um, contrary to what an industry will tell you, if you think about all the small, um, you know, they'll say, oh, well, it doesn't harm you because there's just a small bit of it in there. But, you know, when you start thinking that the average woman uses 25 to 28 um, body care products every single day mm-hmm. um, and that the average man uses, I think it's like 13, and then, you know, then you start thinking about your kids. I mean, you ha- any logical, reasonable person is going to say, well, wait a minute, you know, and, you know, I use 28 a day. Well, there's a small piece in every one of those, and then I use it every day. You know, then you're talking about, you know, it adds up. You know, it really starts to make a difference. Absolutely. <clears throat> so tell us what you do. And what's not good work. for us is not good for our watershed either. And so, um, you know, it's it's healthier for us to to lower the amount of chemicals that we're using, but it's also better for, you know, our watershed too. Right. Well, and we were just talking about this. Um, I say we, I was talking with a, one of my colleagues and we were talking about the collapse of amphibians and um, mm-hmm. between the fer- over, over fertilization of our land and all the toxic, because the other thing people don't think about is, is and, and now that we're trying to get the word out, so maybe this will help um, a couple people get motivated. Um, do not flush your drugs. That you know, we used to tell people flush their drugs. Do not flush your drugs. Um, local jurisdictions at the police department now have an annual medication um, pickup. So mm-hmm. look for that in your community. Um, but also, you know, I, I hate to I hate to be this, but you know, if you think about if you're on medication and you're passing it through, you know that that changes the water too. So. Um, I'm not telling anybody to get off medication. I am not a doctor. I believe that you and your physician can make the best um, decision um, in regards for your health. But I am saying, you know, it's something to sort of think about. Like if there's 320 million Americans, 
not everybody's on medication, but there's a lot. Go to your CVS store and look at all the medications waiting to be picked up. It'll sort of freak you out, So, or at least it freaks me out. So I appreciate you bringing in that conversation about the watershed because we don't – a lot of people don't know 30% of amphibians are already gone. 30% mm-hmm. gone. And those are another, you know, kind of bellwether of, uh, you know, how healthy your ecosystem is. And so when we lose these small things that we may not notice in an ecosystem, it really talks about, uh, you know, the health of the ecosystem. Yes. Um, just so you know, I am I am having a horrible allergy reaction this year to the, the amount of pollen in Atlanta, so I apologize for the coughing. I'm trying to keep it down. So, okay, so what does a day look like for you in your work now? In my work now? Hmm. April's a bad example. I end up traveling right. an awful lot in April, but typically at least once or twice a week, I'm traveling somewhere, you know, within an hour or two of my house. Um, to share about um, creation care. I often meet with United Methodist women's groups. Sometimes I meet with MOPS groups. Um, I was just yesterday with my district uh, United Methodist women. They, we, they had their spring meeting yesterday, and they invited me to speak um, about energy. We were, um, we've been doing the um, consumer study and looking at our consumer habits. And so I shared um, how we can be smart energy consumers and save some money on our energy bills, but also reduce the amount of um, chemicals and carbon, you know, in the air from coal-fired power plants. Because uh, as an Illinois resident, Illinois has the most failing or, you know, dangerous coal-fired power plants in the country, and most of them are um, located in communities of color or low-income communities. And so those are folks who are suffering um, the most from respiratory ailments and um, all kinds of, of problems um, because of our overconsumption of energy. So uh, that was what I was doing yesterday. Um, so I, I sometimes am asked to preach at churches. So I'll have preached three weekends in a row this particular month, which is not typical, <laughs> but it is right. uh, in April. Uh, so I'm not a preacher. I'm not a um, I'm not a pastor. I'm not clergy, but um, I am asked to, to come speak uh, about creation care. Lots of different facets of that. Um, I typically am meeting with people and talking about one of four things. I'm talking about um, smart energy, being a good energy consumer. I'm talking about sustainable food, uh, sustainable land use like community gardening, uh, CSAs, talking about maybe pollinator gardens or native plant gardens. Uh, I do some talk about water work uh, and about doing rain gardens or rain barrels or um, trying to mitigate stormwater problems that certain communities have. Uh, And we talk about advocacy. I'll be spending some time uh, lobbying my particular representatives and senator uh, in our state house next week. So there's some work that goes into that as well, trying to make myself aware of different bills that might be um, coming up for uh, for readings and um, trying to figure out what I want my uh, my representatives to, to vote on that, how I would like them to vote. So educating myself on that through a variety of, you know, different sources and uh, advocacy groups that I pay attention to and then calling and making appointments with my reps. To, uh, to show up in their, their, well, in our case, Springfield, Illinois, capital, uh, showing up in their offices 
or, or if they're in district, showing up in their district offices and, and talking to them about the environmental issues that are important to me. Um, you know, I throw in in between there, you know, raising three children. <laughs> and, Being a uh, lovely wife. Hoping, yeah, helping my husband uh, minister to his three churches. Um, you know, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, so trying to... Uh, you know, do the family things that uh, that are so important to me as well. So that's a typical week, I guess. <laughs> that's a scary week. My goodness, that's a lot of stuff. But as I know, I told you, April is a bad example. <laughs> right, but you know what I know about moms is is moms are always advocating for something, um, right. and you know, plus you know, doing the really hard work of raising kids, and I mean, it's joyful work, but it's less. It's not easy. So um, <laughs> so that's really awesome. So I'm just curious, um, now that you've been doing this work, what what seems to be like um, the thing that people really glom on when you start giving them options like, well, you can do this in your church, you can do that in your church. What seems to be the thing that people really get excited about? That is an awesome question. I'm glad you asked it because it's, people often get very excited about the idea of doing small things. And we know doing small things with great love, as Mother Teresa said, you know, is really what keeps the world a kind place. And doing small things is very important. We can absolutely change our LED light bulbs uh, or change over to LED light bulbs. And we absolutely can, um, you know, unplug electronics when they're not in use. These are all habits that we should be, you know, in, in the habit of doing. So churches get excited about having energy audits. Um, someone come in and, and show them where um, you know some of the some savings can be can be made on their energy bills, and that might mean weather stripping, or you know it might mean bigger things like new furnaces or tankless water heaters, you know things like that. But um, you know those are absolutely good good things for churches uh, to be doing is is doing. Uh, energy audit. So there's a lot of, you know, excitement around that. People get excited about community gardening as well. People know that there are areas that, you know, have what you might call a food desert or, you know, have people might have difficulty getting fresh fruit, fresh food um, in certain areas due to lack of grocery stores or lack of transportation. So that's another thing that churches can get excited about because a lot of times churches have property. They may not have, um, you know, they, they have a, a building, a physical building that they own, and they may have land around it. So um, some churches get really excited about the model of, you know, having a garden at their place of worship. That may be a garden that they tend to themselves, or it might be a space that they allow other people to rent, you know, a space in this community garden, you know, where they can grow whatever they want there, but they just host the land. And it cuts down on their um, maintenance costs because they don't have to mow <laughs> all of that, you know, grass if other people are using it to grow food. So that's another place that people get excited. Um, so sometimes we can really focus on little things, doing little things to make a difference. And, again, I wouldn't discourage people from doing those little things. But I also think um, we're in such a binary world sometimes of, you know, oh, well, we, we can only do this or we should only do this or if we do this, it means we're this. Um, but I want to embrace a both-and approach here. Um, the small change is going to be important, but the big change, lobbying your representative, um, advocating for clean air and clean water and um, EPA regulations and, and things like that that keep us safe and keep, keep America, you know, with clean air and water for everybody, 
those are big things that need to happen too. Renewable energy would be on that list and, and transitioning to solar and wind as quickly as we can. You know, those big things need to happen too. I was at a conference uh, last weekend and Bill McKibben, the uh, environmental author, very prolific and, you know, uh, founder of 350.org, he was there and um, he was able to sign a book for me and we were kind of chatting in the line and, um, you know, he mentioned that we're, we're getting past the point where just changing your LED light bulbs is going to save the world. You know, we need some of this big, bold change. And so, you know, doing the little things like changing our LED light bulbs, we should still do that, but then also keeping our eye on what are the bigger things that we can be doing to, to accelerate changing the world. Right. Well, and we were very honored that Bill McKibben came and spoke at the National Creation Care Conference last mm-hmm. spring in D.C. for United Methodist. He is a United Methodist. He doesn't okay. count his United Methodist as much as some people would like, but, um, <laughs> you know, the fact that he has done the work that he's done, and and I think people I'm, – so for me, I'm like, okay, so last year to me I was like, you know, I've been doing this work for 10 years, and, you know, I kept on – it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But last year it seemed like, ooh, it's here, like – my blueberries blossomed in February, which was crazy. Mm. And then, um, you know, then we had five Cat 5 hurricanes in six weeks, which had never historically happened before. Now, granted, we've only mm-hmm. been keeping records for 150 years or whatever. But still, I mean, it was it was really a bellwether. And then, of course, this spring for y'all up in the, in the Midwest has been, I, I feel like the earth has a fever and it's trying to compensate. Um, you mm-hmm. know, like just snow after snow after snow. But you didn't have a lot of snow in January. Is that correct? That's correct. We um, The last couple of years I've noticed that we'll get one snow early, maybe November, early December, and then really not much of anything until sometimes late January, February, into March. And this year it's even been into April. Um, my father uh, and mother live in um, Michigan, and we have a place kind of in northern Michigan, if you imagine the hand, right? Uh, right. Imagine where a ring might go on your ring finger. That's um, where they have a, a like a summer place, as many families in Michigan do. Um, but they like to snowmobile and things. And my dad told me that he's snowmobiled more in April than he did in all of, you know, December, January, February, or March. That's wow. crazy. <laughs> that yeah. is crazy. Well, and it and it's havoc, right? Because it's like you know the old-fashioned um, sort of—I'm not saying it was from the almanac, but sort of the old-fashioned farmer's almanac was don't plant until after April 15th. And we sort of forgotten it because things have gotten warmer, and we've had these really mm-hmm. sort of—you know—you have like a crazy ice storm in Atlanta, but then it's basically mild. Like the most pleasant time I play tennis uh, recreationally, and the most pleasant time to play tennis now is January because it's because it's gotten warmer. Wow. And, um, you know, but this year it's like nobody knows even when to plant because, Mm-mm. you know, you know we're going to be down to 48 degrees again um, tonight, which, which you know, does not sound cold to y'all, I understand. But for Atlanta and, the, <laughs> you know, really past the 15th is insanity. Um, and I know I that people sort of think. might be the high here today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, for people who are like, well, that's not, you know, that's not a changing weather cycle, but it is, you know, because you just have to go back and you just have to look at the data that's being collected. And let me tell you, the data is being collected and 
you know, we really are um, starting to see shifts that you would not see otherwise. I mean, it's just, it, you know, whatever record they're going to use, you're not going to see these kinds of shifts, and we're seeing them more rapidly and more, you know, and, you know, you may see a shift like over 10 years. Now we're seeing it over two years. <laughs> so, um, so let's take a break, and then um, we'll come back and we'll talk about what you're doing with the girls, okay? Sounds good. We hope you're enjoying this episode of EEN Moms Talk. If you want to engage more with us, you can follow us on Instagram at EEN Moms. You can follow us on Twitter at EEN underscore Moms. Or you can join our private Facebook group at EEN Moms. Just click to join and we approve you in the group. If you want to download our free Bible study, hop over to creationcare.org and you can download it there. We really believe community is the key to everything, so we hope you will make us part of yours. Now, back to our guest. Okay, Christina, thank you so much for what you've been sharing with us. Um, but one of the things I always like to do in the second half of the show is, like, get real, right? Which is, what does this look like for moms? And, and you know, what, what did the girls, you know, love to do? And, you know, what's unique about, you know, what you think you're doing in regards to caring for God's creation? All right. Well, I think that um, we do a lot of, we read a lot of books. Um, and I was just at the uh, library here in town reading uh, to little preschoolers, as I do uh, once a month, uh, books about Earth Day, because normalizing creation care at an early age um, is how we're going to start to fix this mess, I think. Um, We also compost, so that's something that I've had to teach myself how to do, uh, because that's not something I grew up doing. And uh, it's <laughs> getting the kids involved in that is, uh, <laughs> is critical. Just teaching them what goes in it, where food scraps go, um, you know, taking turns, taking the countertop bin out to the big bin in the yard. Um, that's just a real coveted chore in this house, let me tell you. Um, but also um, paying attention to recycling um, and teaching them young, you know, where, where things go in the uh, recycling bins in the garage. Um, and uh, my, I know my work is done when my oldest child um, will yell at one of the other children that that doesn't go in there; it goes over here. <laughs> so they've uh, they they're teaching each other where where recyclables go. Um, but along with the recycling thing, you know, the the adage is reduce, reuse, and recycle. And so recycling is great, but the the reduce part I think is the one that um, it's harder, um, but it's, I think, the most important because if we don't have the waste in the first place, um, we don't have anything to recycle. So my family in particular, you know, we don't use paper products. We don't use, um, we don't, we, we use paper towel very sparingly for certain tasks and certain jobs, but we use cloth napkins and we use, you know, old towels to clean up spills and things like that. Um, we also try not to buy products that are overly packaged or single-use plastic. Um, we don't use plastic shopping bags. Uh, in fact, I'll load my arms up, you know, with <laughs> coming from a store rather than, uh, you know, if I don't have a bag with me, rather than take a plastic bag. Uh, it's kind of been a joke around town that, oh, there she goes again with her 
That's well, me too. Summer, I do the same thing. The yeah. yeah. Um, so focusing again, though, on the on the reduced part of reduce, reuse, recycle. Um, a lot of the clothes that I buy or or wear are thrifted uh, or are um, you know slightly used in some way. Um, and maybe not everything, but you know many things. I look for something you know used before I purchase new. Um, so again, just trying to reduce the waste in, in the waste stream first. The thing well, and I really probably the sorry. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that the reduce thing is the thing that sort of people are like. Well, I recycle. I'm like, yeah, but it's reduce, reuse, recycle, mm-hmm. not recycle, recycle. Mm-hmm. Right, and and it's taken some time, you know, to to get that. And uh, certainly, my children look at me like, you know, mom, can't we just go buy, you know, a sweater? You know, can't we just go buy this thing that we need instead of you looking, you know, at thrift stores or online, you know, thrift stores and things like that before you buy anything? And yes, it takes more time sometimes, but um, certainly for us, you know, it's it's worth it. But the thing that I think has been our biggest impact. Uh, over the last, let me say, year or so, um, is that I've gone vegetarian myself, and one of my children has followed suit, um, which means I'm the cook in the family. Um, my husband does not do the cooking, so and that's just kind of how our family happens to work. I happen to like to cook. so. Um, but if I'm cooking, that means that I'm preparing meatless vegetarian meals, and the rest of them can learn to deal with it. Um, so, And not just deal with it think they enjoy it now but I'm not gonna lie they really didn't initially um, and we ate a lot of meatless meals um, uh, that the meatless Monday campaign you know we've been doing meatless Monday for a long time and honestly we probably were eating meatless meals more like two or three times a week rather than just once but you know making the final jump to being vegetarian uh, really has reduced the impact that uh, on both water and energy um, for our family and so, you know, experimenting with, um, you know, what we like and what we don't like um, has been kind of fun. Um, and they're very um, opinionated, and they let me know when they liked a meal, and they let me know when they don't like a meal. Um, but kind of sitting down with some cookbooks as a family and looking at things we think might be interesting to try and, and then trying them and deciding, yeah, we like that, or no, oh, we did not like that, don't make that again, um, has, has really been a fun thing. And as my children are getting a little bit older, again, I have a 12-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 4-year-old, you know, the 12-year-old's really becoming interested in helping with cooking and, you know, preparing food, and the 8-year-old to some degree, and the 4-year-old not so much, but she can help, you know, by setting the table and, and other things uh, that we can do instead. So, you know, as my kids get older, that uh, some of that cooking uh, stress can get a little bit shifted to uh, they can help me with that more and more. So that's kind of what we do with my family. Well, I love this conversation because people <clears throat> have a lot of have, have a lot of well, they have a lot of fear re- re- around cooking. Period. Excuse <coughs> me. Much less, um, you know, like going vegetarian. So it's I think it's important for people to hear, and if they would just make the change on one day, um, mm-hmm. and and one and, and one day, right? One meal or three meals, right? It, it it does it does have a lot a lot of impact. So, tell us what vegetarian is because vegetarian, let's be honest, is something like well, what does it mean to you? So, are sure. you are doing lacto eggs? What what are you doing? We I do eggs, and I try to find local eggs where I can. 
Uh, I'm in a pretty rural agricultural area. That's not terribly hard to do for me, but that might be harder for others. Um, So we do eggs, but uh, we do not do any meat. And again, my vegetarianism is around environmental reasons. If I were to find somewhere where I knew the animals that were raised at a particular farm were ethically treated and were sustainably raised and, and that kind of thing, and, you know, if I were able to buy food, you know, buy meat directly from that source, I might consider it for special occasions. But, um, you know, the everyday in and out of vegetarianism for me is no meat. So, and typically that's not been like meat substitute. That's just been eating things that are not meat. That looks like pastas. You know, I got little ones. So it looks a lot like pastas. Um, that looks a lot like soups and things with beans. Um, I can make taco soup about 14 different ways. Uh, I do a lot of crock pot things um, that are easy to do. Um, let's see. That can also be as simple as grilled cheese and tomato soup, which you might already be doing in your house. That might already be a favorite, you know, a favorite meal. Um, so that's always a good one. Or potato pancakes. Um, breakfast for dinner is another big family or big family favorite, which not my favorite thing to eat pancakes at, you know, seven o'clock or six o'clock at night. But, um, you know, that is a, a meatless meal for us that they love and they ask for every week. Um, I think that's about it. So we had that, um, as growing up as children, pancakes on Saturday night, like not every Saturday mm. night, but a lot of Saturday nights. And it, it does end up being sort of a fond memory. Um, and uh, I actually think bacon is more prevalent than it was when we were growing up. Am I right? I don't know. You're much younger than me. But it, it feels yeah. like there's a lot more bacon, which, unfortunately, I love, right? I mean, like, but uh, I think the thing is is to acknowledge what you're already doing. So, like, you're talking about grilled cheese and soup. Um, I have this list of 100 things that I hand out when I'm speaking, and I always tell them the first thing you do on this list is go through and make a mark or circle what you're already doing because you're already yeah. doing some of this. You don't even realize it, right? Sure. Um, and then go from there. You know, Then pick the next the next small step. Um, and that well, I'm, I guess we're going to – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open this can of worms. So that is another place um, – where people need to be thinking that can really make a big impact because you and I both know the world revolves around money. And that's why we have so many political decisions that are made. It's not anything about health of children or well-being of Americans. I mean, I know we all love to think about that, but it really is all about the money. And so um, one of the things that I like to sort of surprise people with is choosing where you, you invest your money. Does your money investment reflect your values? And if not, the good news is, is you know, we're 10 years into sort of this modern movement, I like to say. You've got plenty of options of where you invest in money, including with United Methodist Church, um, Westpath. Um, they now have green funds. So ministers who are invested in the, the pension plan can actually choose green funds to invest their money in. That's awesome. And, you know, you're absolutely right that, you know, like we've been talking about things that we can do in our home and, you know, little changes, but those big things, you know, the corporations that we're supporting with our dollars, that's the big change that we're talking about here that we also need to pay attention to. So, again, both and, you know, we can do all these little things at home. They add up. They make a big impact. They make a difference. But the big things, too, about, you know, 
looking at your banks uh, and making sure that, um, you know, they're not investing in things that you'd rather them not and talking to them about what's important to you. Um, you know, looking at your investments, there are a number of different funds you can, you know, participate in that are, you know, green or are supporting, you know, a more green or a just economy. Um, supporting local farms, you know, supporting local food. Uh, as I said, you know, if I knew where my meat was coming from and I knew how it were being raised, I would choose that source over, you know, a chain grocery store any, any day of the week. So just, you know, paying attention to how we spend our dollars um, and using our dollars to speak for our values is, is important. Right. Um, and I think that's the thing is, is, is you can make a huge impact every time you go shopping, right? Just voting. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so my thing is, is like recycle toilet paper, right? Um, and normally when I speak to UMW, they're like, recycle toilet paper. I'm like, I'm not saying reuse <laughs> toilet paper. I'm saying recycle toilet paper. Right. So, um, but that's now available. Um, I don't know if it's available in your area, but it's yeah, available. Um, do you have a Target nearby? I am an hour from the nearest Target. Wow, you are out in the middle. Okay. So, um, A, you can order it on Amazon. I'm not saying that ordering toilet paper, but if you're going to place a big order, um, you can order it on Amazon. Um, But if you're in a metro or suburban area, um, our Kroger's, which is the largest uh, grocery chain on the east side of the the state, um, carries it. And um, you can find it in Target. Publix, which is really big in the southeast, carries it. So look for recycled toilet paper. Because I'm like, if you think about it, I mean, it's just – it's sort of like a no-brainer. Like, why haven't we been doing this all along anyway? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, anything that we can do to reduce waste um, makes sense. And I think that's, for me, creation care is reducing waste. Creation care equals reducing waste. That's my mathematical solution. And for those of you people who know me, math is not my forte, but that's my math sense. <laughs> um, and so, you know, if we just start reducing waste because there's just and, – and, and give yourself – I'm sure you have this thing, too. Just, you know, love yourself. It's not going to be perfect every day. It's it's not going to be perfect every day. Right. And we can't let, you know, it paralyze us. You know, oh, well, I can't do everything perfectly, so I'm not going to do any of it. Well, you know, that's not quite the way to go. Pick a lane. You know, maybe it's food. Maybe it's energy. Maybe it's water. You know, pick a lane. Start there. Pick something that's an easy win for you and then move from there. But, you know, don't let the fear of imperfection, you know, paralyze you from action. Well, and um, this is something that I was just at a creation care conversation a couple of weeks ago, and the one of the speakers said, and I thought this was so wise, um, he said, you know, we always think about the destination in the journey, but the truth is, is the journey is the destination, mm. right? It's sort of like that, that, that rush to get to Wally World, Right, but what made the, the the rush to get to Wally World so fabulous was everything that happened along the journey. On the way, and sure. um, I'm very blessed that my family has a couple of those Wally World vacation stories. So, um, and and nothing and none of them had to do with Wally World, right? It's like what happened along the way, and so, and 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 it and it mirrors so perfectly with our call to to walk with Christ. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, are you really rushing to get to heaven? I don't know many people who are like, I can't wait to get to heaven. Right? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, if they're older, okay, I, I get it. But you know what I'm saying? 
what what they're trying to do is perfect their walk with Christ as they move through their life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and this is just another way to be a disciple. So Sure. I think I think creation care to me is um if we're going to stay with the alliteration theme here with C, the letter C, I, I would say it would be consider consumption um, because people don't think about what they buy before they buy it or what they eat before they eat it. Um, and if we just stopped for a minute and thought, we might make better decisions. So I think creation care to me is just thinking about my role as a consumer and how that throws the whole world out of whack and is not a just situation for a lot of people because climate change is going to hurt people that are least responsible for it. Um, So the way I consume here in, you know, central Illinois in the United States of America um, is hurting people in coastal areas, um, you know, around the world that may or may not have anything to do with contributing to, you know, the climate crisis. Right. Right. So we're going to run out of time. I'm going to ask you uh, one quick question, and then I'm going to let you go. Um, will I see you in Columbus? Absolutely. I will be there presenting. Uh, I'm doing a Be Just, Be Green workshop um, with uh, a fellow Be Just, Be Green jurisdiction guide. Actually, two Be Just, Be Green jurisdiction guides. Uh, and so I will be there for sure. Super. So um, if you're a United Methodist woman listening to this and you're coming to Columbus in, in May, it's like four weeks away, I think, at this point. Um, be sure to check um, Christina out in her presentation. We hopefully will have um, a table there and um, are planning on intending and tweeting. So you can follow me along on Twitter, and that's E-E-N underscore moms. Christina, thank you so much. You were really a blessing, and I'm sorry I, I'm not feeling better, but I still think we had a good conversation. Well, you're, as moms, we power through. So thanks for powering through. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks. Have a good day. Mm, Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay. So I'm not going to leave a long thing because I'm afraid I'm just going to start coughing to death. So anyway, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this. I thought she gave us some really, really valuable tips. We will see you next week. Um, if you're going to be, um, I'm going to totally date the show again, but if you're going to be in Dallas this weekend, uh, EEN will be at Earth, uh, Earth Day, Texas, and I would love to meet you, so stop by the booth. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of EEN Mom's Talk. You'll be able to get more information on our website at creationcare.org, and we hope that you will like and subscribe to these podcasts on iTunes or your other favorite podcast player.